Hello, and welcome to the Car Stories Podcast, brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt. With me, once again, James McKeon. There he is, and his, and his little dog, too. That's right, Kiwi's here. Yeah, the legend, the, 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 the dog, the myth, the legend. She's here. Yes. We're uh, also pretty excited because we have somebody else here with, uh, with us this morning. It's very early. <laughs> it's, this is much earlier than we normally do a podcast. Yeah. That's right. I'm usually asleep till noon. I, at, at the earliest. Well, the crack of noon. Yeah. In any case. No, we're here with Brian Scotto. And um, that's awesome because that guy's everywhere. He's uh, he's on the TV, he's on the internet, he's on the social media. He is the co-founder of Hoonigan, the chief creative officer. He's uh, a man about town, a raconteur, also a legend. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So, make, uh, I mean, you know, he's killing it. He is. He is. And I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to get you this time. We've had a couple of near misses. Yep. He's been indulging us and avoiding us, but we've managed to pin him down. You're a tough guy to get a hold of. I'm a busy man. I got a lot going on. I know. All those adventures you have. That's right. <laughs> well, let's jump right into it. How did you get into cars? Because, you know, that's a thing. Everybody's got one of those. Um, so I grew up in New York City, and I think that's a lot to do with my story, because a lot of people in New York City are not into cars. Most yep. of my friends didn't get driver's license ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally have two friends who are almost 40, and they still don't drive. But um, for me, it was my grandfather. My grandfather was really into cars. I mean, one of kind of my earliest memories of being around cars and, and seeing them as something special was my grandfather had a DeLorean. And you can imagine I'm almost 38 years old. So I was like, you know, it is the eighties back to the future. I'm a little kid. It yep, was yeah. what I thought the coolest car ever. Later on, I realized it wasn't really that cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's cool to look in, at. The, in period, but, but I thought it was like the fastest car well, sure. <laughs> that was ever built. Like I thought that was it. Not realizing my grandfather's like C3 vet was way faster. And actually, sure. But no, my grandfather was a kind of really rags to riches story. He lived poor his whole life. His wife ended up uh, creating a company idea, which led to become junk mail. I'm sorry, but they were one of the pioneers of junk mail, and they ended up making a, a good amount of money off of it. And he spent it all on cars. Hey, it's a good way to say it. So that's what I saw. Well, that kind makes of me feel better up. about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about it now. So. Yeah, now I know that now I can throw those Val packs away with pride. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But uh, no, so and that was uh, that was kind of my exposure to it as a kid, and and I think you know at first because I was really young, I got into radio controlled cars. So mm-hmm. whether it was like the RC10 or things like that, and, and I was really into that because I never wanted to do something that I couldn't immediately touch. So I, sure. I had friends who were into muscle cars when they were 13, 14, reading the magazines in school. But for me, I, I couldn't go do that right then and there, uh-huh. but I, I could get into radio-controlled cars. So I got into that. When I was about 16, I uh, started to realize, okay, my driver's license is coming up. In New York, you can't drive till you're like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started looking around and thinking, like, Ooh, what, what do I want? I went through, like, a list of different things. I wanted, like, a Geo Tracker or, or a Sidekick yeah, or a Samurai. Because that's, that's those were right. really cool. They still in, are really cool. They are still really cool. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Uh, a side note, but a bunch of us are talking about we should start, like, an old 90s hip-hop gang, and oh, we yeah. all own Geo Trackers and Samurais. And all samurai? <laughs> like, some 13-inch Dayton's on it? Yeah. yeah. It was a, there we go. They were cool cars. But anyway... Uh, I was really into riding BMX and a lot of the guys in the BMX community all had Volkswagens and I just sort of dived into that community. And next thing you know, I, you know, built a Volkswagen and then I started a Volkswagen car club, mm-hmm. uh, called Auto Krieg. And we started like doing events. Like I didn't just want to have a car club. I want to have a car club that we did things. And we started doing like these weekly, uh, actually we did these monthly 
events called Full Moon Full Throttle. And the concept of it was at mid at midnight, closest to the full moon on a Friday, meet us at this rest stop and we'll go drive the back roads of Long Island. They, you know, they're not the canyons <laughs> we have here, but it was windy roads. And sure, we sure. would drive them at the middle of the night. And it started as 20 people and it eventually grew to be like 180 cars showing up. And at oh, that okay. point, for safety reasons, even yeah. at the young age of 20, yeah. I realized it was probably a bad idea to be doing that. So we, we kind of ceased doing that. And then we started doing kind of potluck barbecues and just doing events. And in New York City, there were so few like car meets or culture things that were happening at the time. And a lot more have grown since then. But at that point, there was the street races, but that was really it. There wasn't like a lot of other stuff going on. And so started with that. And it was always a hobby to me. Okay. It was always something that was like, this was just what I wanted to do on the side. And sure. I was going to school initially to become a mechanical engineer. I ended up realizing that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And so then I wanted to become a war reporter. Like mm-hmm. that was the big thing. And I, I wanted to become a That's journalist. That's a little bit of a, it's a pivot. It's quite of a switch. Yeah, it was, I will yeah. say that, you know, it you was go very one different. thing and you see your college supervisor yeah. going, you know what, a mechanical right. engineering. And then actually I yeah. change my mind. I want to head to the war zones. Yeah, well, I, it's 2001, 9-11's just happened, and mm-hmm. I'm in journalism school, and it's, it's, I'm completely emerged in that. And sure, that's okay. everything that's happening right now. And, you know, and I grew up as a punk rock kid in New York, and I wanted to tell that story, and that the best way to, you know, to fight the system was through journalism. Oh. And that was my plan, and then I ended up becoming an automotive journalist instead. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you know. I continue to fight the system Anarchy, in many different Anarchy ways. in the auto journalism, that's where it is. <laughs> that's right. Um, so like you, you said, you're being into Volkswagens. So were you, were you an air cooled or a water cooled guy? Water cooled guy. Okay. Yeah, so like yeah, GTIs, yeah. GTIs, Yeah. My first car was a four door, uh, Mark three Volkswagen that okay. I eventually put a VR six in. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. What a bizarre engine. So strange, but sounds, it sounds so, so good. good. Yeah. No, that motor's like really not that great, that. but it sounds great. You could always chirp second gear, which was cool in a front wheel drive car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it had some, it had a good amount of torque and it was just such a unique sound. What was the weird, like, supercharged kind of? I think it was a Scirocco. Was it the uh, G- the Corrado? The Corrado came as a G sixty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. G ladder. Yeah. Now was that a six cylinder or a four cylinder? That was a four cylinder. Okay. Yeah, it was I'm based off the standard one eight one eight, and okay. that supercharger was plagued. So guys would change it out and either make them turbos or there was this one supercharger everyone put on called the Lysone charger, and it's yep. made it sound like a siren so much it always sounded like an ambulance was heading down the block mm-hmm. it just had this like that sounds sound. much yeah. more relevant to my interests. Yeah. shout out to my friend mark wheel who had a corrado g60 and took me very fast at a young age excellent it was great corrados were like the if you were a volkswagen very guy, handsome car yeah so like wow they made this car yeah. like they mm-hmm. actually this is pretty cool so yesterday i saw one on craigslist for 700 bucks and it sort of bummed me out to realize a car that was once on such a pedestal well, there's super hard to get bucks. parts for though right like yeah i thought that was the problem with them yeah i mean there's they were just limited numbers so it wasn't mm-hmm. as easy and i think that there was kind of just that tax that got put on them because they were considered the cooler car so everything yeah. for a corrado costs more than what sure. you get for a gti or a golf oh that makes sense all right corrado tax yeah it's brutal they get you coming and going. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know you you've transitioned out of becoming a war reporter, which is <laughs> probably for the best. You look like a man allergic to bullets. <laughs> also, uh, your height would be make you no, uh, yeah, that. just the helmet sitting yeah, over the top. Exactly. I'm not good in trench warfare. Yeah, no, not ideal. Um, how did uh, how did I mean you? They went into automotive journalism. How did Hoonigan come out of that? Because that has become this all-encompassing like conglomerate whirlwind of of baseball caps and and gymkhanas and <laughs> and energy drinks and just you're everywhere everywhere 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to step back, I was living in New York City. I started working in automotive space completely by accident. I was writing for this magazine called Mass Appeal, which was very similar to what Vice is today. Actually, mm-hmm. our biggest competitor back then was Vice. I get their newsletter. Before they exploded. And um, a, lot of, a lot of quality uh, LP. Yeah. Uh, producto producto uh, news yeah. on the Mass Appeal newsletter. Shout out. Right. Yeah. So that was where I got my start. I was part of that whole crew. And, and I enjoyed it because it was a place where we could have fun, but we could also write about serious stuff. But they had a car section. I won't tell the whole story. I'll just fast forward through. Next thing you know, I got offered a job at Rides Magazine. So if you guys remember Rides Magazine, very much like Dub, it was big wheels and, you know, and on Escalades and things like that. And while that really wasn't what I was passionate about, I was just excited to get into something in automotive. And for sure. And I, I, whether I was passionate about it or not, I cared enough about the culture and I learned that. And that was something that really expanded me because I was that Volkswagen kid who thought that there was nothing better than a Volkswagen in Audi or Porsche, mm-hmm. right? And that was just it. Like, there was nothing else in my world. I would argue why an NSX wasn't good, a good car at that time because I was closed-minded and I was young. And that sort of opened me up to realizing what other people liked in culture. But was working at Rides, I quickly became the editor-in-chief because I they realized in New York City, I was this rare person who understood New York City culture, understood hip-hop, understood everything that was going on in that world, but also understood cars mm-hmm. and actually really knew cars. So... I was able to kind of position myself with the publishers to launch a magazine called Zero to 60. So I did this. I started a magazine called Zero to 60 as a performance car magazine. Sadly, it only lived for three years, but during that period of time, I met Ken Block. And it was sort of, we actually met during the Gumball Rally, okay. uh, went there to go cover it. Uh, actually called DC Shoe Company. I knew someone over there, and I knew that Rob Deerdick of Robin Big and Fantasy Factory. And this was before he was any of that, but mm-hmm. he was a pro skateboarder. I wanted to do something with him in rides. Reached out and said, Hey, I hear you guys are doing gumball. It would be great if, uh, you know, I could figure out how to interview the guys afterwards, maybe get some photos from them. And they said, Well, if you can be in London, Trafalgar Square by tomorrow at noon, Ken said there's an extra room in his car. I'm like, Ken, I didn't really know who Ken was. He sure. was like Ken Block, this yeah. guy who owned DC Shoe Company. But sure, they got a bunch of STIs. I found a flight. I was going to say out. Concord straight there. Yeah, Three found a, a, found a flight that night. It was like a scene out of Snatch. You know, and it's like, <laughs> boom, there I was. And with my backpack and, and started to talk to Ken. And Ken's into rally racing. And I'm learning all the stuff about Ken. At this point, Ken's only done like three events. And they were, and he was doing them because... Travis Pastrana had done some. He always loved rally racing, mm-hmm. and we just sort of connected. And I think at that point in Ken's career, at the beginning of his career, he wanted to do something with it, but he didn't really know where to take it. And here I was, this guy who was trying to launch a car magazine that was really heavily influenced by European and Japanese cars and you know, really cared about things like rally racing and, mm-hmm. and thought that, that rally racing really needed a home in America. So we almost started working together because we thought we were doing like, you know, we work together. We can make this happen. We can, we can bring this to X games. We can make companies like Ford support rally, which I had conversations with people at Ford and they were like, no one cares about rally. (laughs) Stop talking about it, Brian. No one cares. Stop asking us to do stuff about rally. Mm -hmm. And, but with someone like Ken, who was able to, put forward and really kind of get in front of people about it. I was like, look at this opportunity. So that was the beginning of it, but I still stayed at zero to 60 for another three years. And 
we used we leveraged Ken and Ken leveraged us. If you watch the first Jimkana, the opening screen says as seen in Zero to Sixty magazine. I mean, realize to us, Jimkana was a side piece to a magazine story. I yeah. mean, that was what it was. It was two thousand eight, yeah. and magazines still somewhat mattered. And Jimkana was like, hey, well, we did this story about Jimkana. We may as well do a little video, and that sure, could live on the, it could sure. live on the website. Yeah, who's I mean, gonna watch that? I didn't even know what YouTube so, was. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. And so that was sort of it. And uh, writing was on the wall in the print industry. And I sent Ken an email and said, hey, if you ever want to do something more, I think I'd love to come work with you on a, you know, on, a on another level. Uh, let's just talk about it. And the time came where he decided to leave Subaru and start his own team. And I came on as marketing director. And part of the conversation was, let's build something. Let's build something bigger than just building a race team and building Ken as a personality. At this point, we've already done Jim 1 and 2. People are yep. aware of who he is. And he looked at, well, look at what DC Shoe Company mm-hmm. is to skateboarding, you know, and, or snowboarding and, and BMX and a lot of other things it got into. But initially, look at what that was for skateboarding. It became something that people identified with. And sure. I, I grew up. My skate- first pair of skate shoes was DC. Mm-hmm. The, it was a Durdeck model, his pro model, uh, like the second or third one. Yeah. And and you see, it's like for us, people who grew up around that stuff, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, wearing airwalks to school and being made fun of, but I had pride in them because I skateboarded and I knew that that made me different. Yeah. I was into punk rock and I would wear that stuff so that it was like a symbol of who I was. But in the automotive industry, there, there didn't really exist as much. I mean, you know, I had a Martini Rossi Porsche belt that I bought, the Nürburgring, and I wore it every day, and I, well, I sure. still wear it. And well, you got to. Actually, I just got married, and the my friend who officiated the wedding wore that belt Excellent. at the wedding because he forgot his belt. I mean, you know, that belt's been with me through a lot of big moments in my life, and I bought it at the Nürburgring, so, you know. Yeah, kind of, yeah you've got to replace it. Yeah, after, doing, after yeah. doing a nine-minute lap. Well, no yeah. bragging. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Of course not. But no. Welcome to the modesty hour. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Kyle does it in six. Uh, Flat. On, yeah, on Stefan Belloff, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Got nothing on me, buddy. Um, yeah, but I, it was, uh, it, you know, we looked at it and said, ah, we'd like to build something that was how I felt about companies like DC when I was skateboarding or doing things like that. And we felt that automotive was lacking that. Mm-hmm. And and that was Hoonigan. Um, the word Hoon was something that Australians adore. Yeah, Australians adored it. And I was there when kind of we were all in American media is trying to start to use the word. So mm-hmm. myself and uh, a guy by the name of Davey Johnson at Jalopnik. Oh, we know the, Davey. The two of us used to sit there and talk about punk rock and the Minutemen and Descendants. And that's where the word hoonage comes from because everything, if you know the Descendants, everything's marriage, bikeage. They added the word A-G-E at the end of a bunch of songs. So we said, let's take the word hoon. We'll call it hoonage. And, you know, Zero to sixty, first magazine ever put the word hoon on a cover, and you know Jalopnik had everything was hoon, and we were just we really liked the word, and we it was almost like taking the word back, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like the Australians is negative to them, but we think it's cool. Let, let's do something with it. And Ken really liked it. And that year when Jim Connell one came out, because I mean, if you guys remember Jim Connell one, and I, I I was obviously involved, so I'm slightly biased, but I remember like the response to it and watching. Like, this is so different, and it felt so different at the time. So we gave him a fake award called Hoon of the Year. And DC actually made a T-shirt, and it said Hoon of the Year, and it sold really well. And Ken was like, there's traction here. And so he actually kind of came up with that with the term. It's obviously a poor man, too, of the word hoon. And, and hooligan mm-hmm. becomes hoon again. 
simple for all of us to understand. You don't know how often I have to explain it to everyone else. I, I, could, <laughs> I, I could imagine. You're yeah. like, what's a hoon? But yeah, but the whole concept was we wanted to build something, and we didn't want to build an apparel company. We wanted to build an automotive lifestyle brand, mm-hmm. something that you just sure. felt connected to. And um, you know, it, it's been an interesting five years or six years. It's really been seven years, but we, we counted as six because um, the first year was sort of we just threw some stickers on Ken's car and I was oh. still running the race team. And mm-hmm. and next thing you knew, we were getting bootlegged. Our stickers were being bootlegged on eBay. We weren't even making them ourselves <laughs> yet. The trademark attorneys were like, if you don't make something, people can take your name from you. We're like, all right, I guess we'll start the company. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I mean, it was because at the time, Ken's career was what we were focused on. So. All right. All right backtracking ever so slightly i just found out i didn't know this um to the the gumball 3000 that the guy that runs that is married to eve from yeah from the rough riders he met eve on the gumball on the gumball yeah yeah i was, oh, I was okay. like, if you need your gumball history we can do a separate episode i, I know I literally you I, should have max on the show because oh, yeah. he's he's amazing um max if you're listening which you should be obviously yeah. and, and I, max you if you're listening i'm sorry what i'm about to say but max <laughs> there's a term a british term called like a blagger oh and, sure. yeah and and he is a professional blagger in many ways he's built something out of nothing and made it into this like thing that it, it just has so much pomp around it and mm-hmm. everyone just he's a fine rapscallion one yeah might say. yeah and 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 I, I just i I've, I've hated and loved max on the same day so but at that i still i still appreciate what he built and when we were all younger i think we all looked at gumball and we're like yeah that's, that's that is amazing. the coolest thing ever yeah. Yeah. i went and slept on floors of hotels the whole time it sure. was not the luxury event i was promised but <laughs> it was still a great time it yeah was still i can imagine that, that doing that with ken driving would be a hoot yeah, it was good. He drove for the first nine hours and then fell asleep, and then I drove for whatever else, whatever else was left, like mm-hmm. through the night, and then uh, then his wife Lucy, we and her switched back and forth driving, and so he just slept in the back seat for the first day. That was nice. my, that's my memory of it. So <laughs> nice. Hopefully, he didn't snore too much. No, it was okay. All so, right. So so Hoonigan, yeah, as, as we said, right now is this like incredible force of nature in the automotive world. Like you're getting. Young people super pumped on cars and car culture. And, you know, it, it feels like there's always um, a certain generation. Let's let's call it the boomers. And they're always like screaming like, oh, car culture's dying. Kids don't care. Kids don't care. But that's 100% not true. Especially like, when you look at Hoonigan and your scope of who you cover, who you work with, and oh, what yeah. you even look at. Or going to like, going to like a rally cross event yeah. or like any, any of that. Stuff. It's, it's nuts. Like the amount of the participation. Drifting. Yeah. And drifting is especially huge. Um, like what, h- how do you guys see yourselves as kind of, because you're, you're sort of the, the tip of the spear with, with this whole thing as far as I see it. Like how do you guys see yourselves like continuing to spread this this kind of culture like what like what's the next big move that that you guys haven't taken over yet because you're doing a a ton of amazing internet video which james watches every day multiple times a day every day and like you got your you know your your super secret headquarters where um all kinds of crazy stuff happens shenanigans happens shenanigans indeed yeah like what's next like what do you what do you got planned that you can talk about i mean you know i'm sure there's some things that are deep deep secret right uh, first off, I, you know, I, I really thank you guys saying things like force of nature and <laughs> tip of the sphere. I, I, you know, I think as a brand, we may seem a little braggadocious at moments, but as, as a company, we all are very kind of humble. It's a small crew of us that have like worked really hard over the past couple of years to do this. And 
I've seen it, you guys sweating in that it's, in that shop. Yeah, we don't have we have to turn the air conditioning off I to film and it's the air conditioning's not good to begin with. So <laughs> it's that you just live at that level where you're like, I'm about to sweat if I do anything. So um but no, and it's uh it's been a lot of fun um you know, building it all and I I think that a lot of this for me kind of goes back to the zero to 60 days too. And, you know, my entire career, I've been told by people, well, automotive's dead. It's over. People, 17-year-olds aren't getting their license anymore. It doesn't matter. And I've had to fight that all along the way because I've been told performance was dead. I mean, when we saw, you know, the boom in, in hybrid vehicles, you know, you'd go to SEMA and everyone's saying, oh, the industry's over. And, but I, you say that, but I am still there and there's still thousands of kids showing up in a parking lot on a mm-hmm. Thursday night to talk about cars. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that it's over. And then I think you look at, you know, you, you talked about drifting. Um, I will be very honest. I was outside of drifting, sure. you know, six or seven years ago. I, I was a motorsports guy first. You know, I loved rally racing. I loved DTM. I loved, you know, endurance racing. And I, I was paying attention to drifting, but I, w- I was paying attention to it from the outside and I was watching things like, Formula Drift and, and I knew some of the drivers, you know, guys like Von Gittin Jr. and stuff I'd become friends with, Tony Angelo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was blown away the first time I went to like a grassroots event. I went to a grassroots event in 2009 with Vaughn and like the fact that kids are participating in this on the weekend in like a Greyhound parking lot in Houston mm-hmm. just sort of blew me away. And watching that grow over the past seven years, I think. Drifting is this really interesting community because there's a whole side of motorsports that hates drifting and yeah. they don't, they see it as like, you know, figure skating of automotive and so on and so on, but love it because it's making young kids care about drifting. It's mm-hmm. making outsiders care about drifting. Every time we have some, you know, young skateboarder, the older skateboarders all want to go race rallycross, but mm-hmm. the young skateboarders all want to learn how to drift. I mean that we have them contacting us all the time being like, I want to build a drift car. I want to go drifting and realize that it's influencers like that who are going to get more people into cars yep. and sure. And arguably some of the coolest cars that have been built in the past five years that are actually being used to do something as is drifting. drifting. Like I look at drifting and hill climb mm-hmm. as two of the greatest markets for building cars because you there aren't rules right and you just build them to accomplish something great or something crazy and it's thousand horsepower and sticking this motor in that and because there's actually not a lot of factory involvement the you're allowed to do all that Mm -hmm. you know like we couldn't take our ford and go put a viper motor in it for obvious reasons but Mm -hmm. a lot of the other spaces have allowed to do that and i think it's brought this whole different thing to culture an automotive and i think it's mixed with you know games like forza and things like that where you see those two things crossing back and forth i mean we have fans who are 13 years old they've never driven a car but they know so much because they're watching the youtube videos or they're playing you know forza. playing forza and and they understand and see all of this and i think that mm-hmm. that stuff is is so important so i, I may have gone around from what you originally asked me that's but right. i you know but i like that that's why we're here but i'm actually very very passionate about how do we keep the culture alive and how do we keep the culture moving and um one thing about myself is i have like a really really broad sense like care for cars you know i I start one of my questions was how many cars do you have brian and can you give us a 
rundown of what they are? <laughs> sure. Don't have to tell us if they're running. Do you want me not. to get into that now? Should I finish what we're talking about here, or can we go back and forth? We go back. You and know forth. what? Let's bounce back and forth. Okay, it makes it Great. more fun. Yeah, Great. we keep it loose. Um, I currently own thirteen cars. Okay. Um, I think this is just you know I lived in New York City my whole life or until I was thirty. And it was always like, if you buy a car, you have to store a car. Sure. Yeah. And now I have a warehouse in Long Beach with like lifts that I can just stack cars up. So I, it's, yeah, it's really bad. It's enabled me in the worst of ways. Um, and, and I have, you know, I have a mix of cars. So I think probably the car that, you know, most people know is I, I have a 911 Turbo that mm-hmm. was one of the first two RWB cars built mm-hmm. here in America. And that stemmed also from the zero 060 days we went and covered nakai in japan and when we were launching hoonigan ken said you know it'd be really cool if you built an rwb car let's look into doing that maybe we'll send your car to japan and do it luckily nakai came here and yeah, built it for us and yeah. They, yeah well you know they have cigarettes here and yeah plenty, yeah plenty, plenty of room to and squat down stella and, they have stella and cigarettes and, and that's all you need that's and, all, and that's it's all on the latest uh, like preview for the new ford seven right <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was available as part of the DLC car pack for cool. Forza, for Horizon, and for Seven. So, yeah. which is wild now because every photo I get tagged in on Instagram is it's someone driving, driving my car, game. and I have to like look at it for a second and be like, "Where was that?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, right, that's a video game because I'm old." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no. Um. So the next twelve. Yeah. Uh. And by the way, uh, these are owned by myself and my wife. So it was a problem that became worse when we just Excellent. recently got married yeah, so, i was gonna say because that's happened recently yes then, yes my uh and now you can put half of those cars off to her it, so exactly sure now they have her problem it's Excellent. like uh you yeah. deal so with you that really now. only have six cars exactly. technically it's not even a problem yeah, no, 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 it's not even a problem. twice as much uh, twice as more reasonable uh, <laughs> yeah. as you were previously yeah like uh then i have a car that's affectionately known as the napalm nova which mm-hmm. is a 72 nova that's been completely kind of rebuilt underneath it's got an art morrison frame in it it's got a 555 edelbrock crate motor in it um it's it has a t56 behind that it's you know it runs on uh you know fuel injection it's a normal new car underneath the old bones and the whole concept of that car was the opposite of the 911. The 911 is kind of this beautiful car that I worry about. Mm-hmm. And the Nova, I street park in Venice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it looks just like a rough old car. If I walk outside and there's a scratch in or ding in it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. When I walk out, I drop my bag and my keys on the roof because it's just a, that's what I wanted to build out of that. Sure. So those two cars are semi running. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, I'll skip to my, my wife, Ashley, uh, Ashley Baker, who's now actually Ashley Scotto, which is so weird for me to get used to that. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. So, I, I met Ashley in the automotive world, so mm-hmm. she's worked for race teams, and, and she ended up working at Hoonigan, and you know, I broke that rule, and now we're married. So as long as you marry them, it makes yeah, it that's, Yeah, it makes that's it totally okay. fair. It's happy yeah, my go. wife. So. Lovely Grace. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's a nice lady. Yeah. But I actually drove- What would you a motorcycle? Nice but lady. She's still a nice lady, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I drove her 71 F100 here today, because mm-hmm. all my other cars are currently broken down mm-hmm. or in states of disrepair. Excellent. Um yeah, my friends joke that I'm better at unbuilding than building cars, so I just have cars and then boxes of parts. It's a lot easier that way. It is. Yeah. It is. It's somewhat it's rewarding. I don't satisfying. know why. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It really and then is. you could say it's still a work in progress. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because there's nothing's going to break more of it. So at this point in time, it's like perfect. It just needs to finish it off yeah. eventually. Yeah. Uh, then I have a, I have an Audi Coupe Quattro. Uh, which is my one, at some point will become a hill climb car or oh, a nice. Gatville car, either one. Um, 
then I have a... Well, if you're going to need at least two more engines to shove in that thing for at, at once for gap th- belt. That is the rule. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Two at motors, least. thousand horsepower. Yeah. yeah. And it I has mean, to be another company's motor. Of yeah, course. And all the, the, the thousand rules. horsepower class is like the children's class. Yeah. And you have it? to drive sliding backwards at all times. All times. Exactly. All times, yeah. Wearing Viking horns. And all of your wide body has to have been built in the HVAC section of Home Depot. That's yes. To make it look proper. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it has to have a massive, massive turbo on it, or a jet engine as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Actually, always, a jet engine that feeds the, the turbo, turbo would, yeah. would be better. Always yeah. have a trash can lid-sized turbo from yeah. like a tugboat. <laughs> or a train. There you go. There you go. Excellent. Uh, then I have, and, and that is such a Gatbill car. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. that, when I went to Gatbill in 2007, I was like, wait, other people like this car? Because <laughs> in, in the United States, there's like 70 of them. So yeah. we all belong to this one forum called Motor Geek. But um, so... Uh, I have that. I have a. I have an Audi A8L, which was okay. like like a 2006. I just loved that car. It was mm-hmm. actually one of the first cars I drove as a as a journalist, like in 2004. And I was like, man, one day I want to own this car. I think in my head I thought I'd buy a new one, but I actually bought a same year. But it's a great car, fun. Uh, it's just kind of a daily driver. Um, then I have. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I've got a 1929 uh, Chevy Tudor, which eventually I will build into a traditional hot rod. Mm-hmm. My friends call it wood car because we think it has termites. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, hey, they're just friends. No, they're not really friends. <laughs> no. They're people well, that I kick, stay around me. Most of them I employ, yeah. and uh, they always have mean things to say about me. There you go. Yeah. Same, same thing. It's, it's nice to be the boss, I guess. <laughs> uh, then I have a. Uh, I'm. Let's see what else. Uh, I got a 1997 F350 old body style uh, Ford truck diesel, which is just. It's just a classic truck. I think it's like a new classic. Mm-hmm. I had a Nissan Titan, and I just one day I just parked behind a F one F three fifty, and I thought I don't like my truck as much as I like that truck. And next day, sold yeah, it and bought like that. And I kind of yep. love yeah. it. Now is that oh. that's a seven three diesel? Seven three diesel. Yeah. Well, that's what's so great about it. It's just such a great you know motor. It kind of just runs forever. Although I saying that I had an ECU problem. Mine's in the shop right now. But uh, <laughs> hey, so you know, hey, yeah, everybody. You know, yeah. Even Superman's got to take a day off once in a while. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do I have? Uh, I've got I shit cars. Technically, mine. I don't okay, know if the I BMW. Can say that word on your podcast. You can but someone yeah, have said worse things than that? BMW. Yeah. The BMW shit car. I technically bought and never traded over the, any of the title or anything. So unfortunately, I <laughs> I own that. Although yeah. I don't actually count it as one. Um, I'm currently building a rail car for the race of gentlemen for next year. Cool. So it's basically a Model A frame with a Cadillac flathead in it. It's Excellent. barely a car. Mm-hmm. Its nickname is the Open Casket. So that's sort of kind of explains it. It's relevant to my interest. Yeah, it seems relevant. ideal for a uh, trog. And if- yeah, yeah, and it's well that when they opened up that class, I looked at it and said, okay, well this is actually a real race class. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the other classes are really cool and guys build really amazing traditional authentic cars and a lot of guys bring survivor cars out and and i love all of that and that's great but i do have a more competitive side to me and the guys who really are trying to race are all moving into the drag class and that for me was something that was like that's cool and it's really sketchy i mean you're not going that fast but you've got nothing around you you're just sitting on two rails and hey in the 1920s they weren't going that fast and plenty of people died (laughs) yeah it's just a day at the beach in reality so yeah so i was gonna ask is this is this the east coast race of gentlemen or the or the west coast it'll be east coast for next year um my buddies over there mel i don't think they're gonna be doing west coast again just because it was a lot more difficult to run Uh, wildwood just like opens up the doors for them the mayor comes out and pismo was was a little bit more difficult to who would have thought you'd have challenges in, in California? California. Go the figure. Beach. No, and old vehicles that, but... that pour oil yeah, all over the who sand. Who would have thought it? <laughs> yeah. 
Hmm. So I wonder why. I wonder why it'll be challenging. Yeah. Hmm. Then what else? Let's see. Uh, I'm, this is the worst. It's like having too many kids. You forget their names. Um, my oh my. Just wait till we ask you to rank which car is your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my 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 wife has uh, a 1987 944 Turbo. Okay. Future uh, classic. That was actually a project that I bought and then realized that I just didn't have what I wanted to, like, the time to invest into it. And I actually sold it to her before we started dating. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So it worked out well. Who, did you give her a good deal? You know, I don't think she ever paid me for it in oh. the end. I think, that, well, I mean, she did in, in you know now being my wife but i think that yeah, never finished love the deal never yeah the deal sure. never finished yeah, but you didn't get all those greenbacks is that what you're but saying she's taking it way further than i would have so she's building that it's gonna put an ls into it i mean i've always loved the 944 mm-hmm. and it's actually funny i bought that 944 the day my rw my car was being built into an rwb and oh, okay. as a kid i always thought i'd own a 944 because i couldn't afford a 911 and then 911s the price just like plummeted on on uh 964s i know that People now can't believe that. No, yeah. But in 2009, you could buy a C4 for under 10 grand. You could buy a turbo like mine for 30, now, which was, was the a, price of an Evo. 3.3 turbo or a 3.6 turbo? Uh, 3.3. Two, uh, three, three. So, okay. yeah. yeah, I was like, because I can't remember a time when the 3.6s were ever particularly cheap. Yeah. It was, you know, one year car, but. Yeah, the because uh, the, mine's technically a 9.65. Yeah. So it's because it's an early turbo. But um, yeah, and I mean, now they're ridiculous and mm-hmm. astronomic prices but uh thanks rob dickinson but i always wanted yeah i always wanted uh a porsche and i was like i'll i'll be able to work my way into a 944 yeah i then went got a 911 and still Shit. wanted that 944 i couldn't shake that so i'm really looking forward to her getting it finished because she's meticulous with stuff like i'm not mm-hmm. every bolt has its own bag when she's taking <laughs> it apart like she's made everything feel like new again so does that mean when you come and, and she slaps your hand when you go to like work uh, on it yeah, 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 I'm not even allowed to work on the car with go. her. Like, she's just like, don't, you don't have enough finesse and care for that. <laughs> like, for me, I'm like, oh, the dash doesn't fit. A ratchet strap will fix that. Yeah, like, we'll just make that work and yeah. zip tie whatever doesn't happen. So, so we know who assembles the IKEA furniture. So. Yeah, yes. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so cool. Uh, and then I know there's a couple of things we must be forget. Oh, I have a Land Rover Discovery that is an amazing car that that I've been I, eyeballing those I lately. Absolutely loved until the day I stopped loving it. So, which was the day it started being very British and just kept breaking on me. Don't tell so. me a British car broke you. I would I know. not believe it's that. It's interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so, the Luke, pinnacle of who the... knew Lucas didn't know a thing about electronics? So. What your disco is it? Uh, it's a 95 manual transmission. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. I've been looking at disco and twos and my wife is like, just no. Yeah, it's a 95 and it's also got a 4.6 in it instead of the 3.9. Okay. So, yeah. it's... Uh, Still, it's it's still, still slow. This, yeah. It's still slow. It only yeah. does like going up to like Tahoe. I I get down to like fifty five miles an hour. Yeah. So well, I mean, you know, like they when when you read the spec list and stuff for that Rover V eight, it's like well, this sounds pretty good. Like, and then when you get like, excited, it, it, nope. nope, no, mm-hmm. no. no. I I love it. Um, and it's one of those cars where it's it's such a love hate relationship, and everyone yeah. who owns a Rover sort of understands that. Yeah. Uh, it's great off road, and when it runs, it runs great, and then it just stops running, and it yeah. just leaves you there. Yeah. So as I have hopefully more not photos on top of the mountain, hopefully more have, so rolling yeah. down the mountain. I have more photos of it on the back of a flathead flatbed recently than nice. I do actually like doing anything overlandy. Sure. So, yeah. I just got to find see what I got to do. I got to find somebody that decided to put an LS into it and then got sick of it, and then you know, this might be getting really geeked, but I, I've there is a 
like the legend of the LS Discovery. Oh, I, I, but no one has actually seen one. Right. There's a bunch of projects sure. that are on all the forums, but no one's actually finished one. Cause trust me, the minute that I, I just blew the timing chain, I'm like, that's it. I'm putting uh, LS in there. Yeah. And actually trying to find anyone who's done it, it's not really easy. There's a couple guys obviously in Australia because they'll just stick they'll anything do anything. anything. But, um, I think that a couple look, of cases of VB and yeah, you know, and you're John, yeah, 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 put a Barrett in there, you're yeah. good to go. Yeah. You know, so bur- go straight to summer nets and do burnouts. There you go. That's but, the thing. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that that car eventually, I want to put a diesel in. Okay. Yeah. So, but anyway, I you I we could talk for hours on the cars, and I I know I've forgotten some because I stopped counting. Yeah. Um, we didn't. It was seven, but it's close enough. Yeah, what else is there? She has a G thirty five. Okay. Those cars, uh, those cars are are so funny because they sound so great as like a race motor, like no cats or anything. Yeah. The second you put like a cat on it, it just sounds like Chewbacca driving yeah, by. It's hilarious. Awful. She loves it. I I, I don't, but yeah. that's okay. Um, I have a. Uh, I technically have my mom's old Z, All which right. I just stays out on the East Coast and has sort of become like the neighborhood bicycle for all the drift kids uh sure. in e-town because we just left it there and my mom had a six-speed z that she like ran drove into the ground at two hundred thirty thousand miles and was going to donate it i was like you can donate it to uh the charity of english town here yeah. you go so beautiful gift yeah our friend jeff stone back i think just crashed it into a wall nice. so, yeah it's been good, good. Work, jeff sorry mom um <laughs> she's the spoiler let's should have a spoiler alert in that one yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think i've sent her those photos yet, okay so the plan is those we're going to teach my mom how to drift uh, in that in an upcoming okay. episode of something yeah. okay so like that'll be fun uh, oh and then i have a rolls royce with a hemi in it which was something that i built for a discovery show that uh, i was on with acp mm-hmm. and i inherited that so yeah we do want, i want to talk about that too because that that was a pretty cool deal. Yeah, I think it's over though. Yeah, well, I know, but it was cool. Well, if it lived for a day, it lived. It yeah. lived. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, they yeah. say. But um, yeah, tell us about that because you know I enjoyed it. It was uh, it was interesting. I had I, I'm more of a want to be behind the camera kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind being on camera. Obviously, we do the stuff on the YouTube show and everything, but I like making things and I like doing all that. I like coming up with the ideas and and then seeing it through and executing it. And sometimes when you're in front of the camera, it's hard to do that. So when I was first approached to do the show with uh, ACP, I was like, I don't know if I really want to do it, but I went through the process because I figured there's no way they're going to pick me. This is not going to take me. This isn't, uh, yeah. First off, I'm I'm way too tall for television. I was going to say, like, Like, everyone needs an apple crate to stand to, like, even be on camera with me, you know? So I was like, this doesn't make sense, but ACP is also tall, so I guess it sort of worked. (laughs) And they, we, you know, we we did some screen tests and everything, and I wanted to go through the process because I wanted to learn the process. Like, I, I, you know, long have wanted to do stuff in television. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, a great way to learn it is to go on. through the process sure. and see what happens. And learn I figured, from the inside. Yeah, and I figured as far as I got with it, I would at least understand some of the casting stuff and the stuff that they're looking for and so on. And then they were like, yeah, great. We uh, we would like you to co-host the show. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I have like a full-time job at this company, <laughs> this thing I do. So, but I, I liked the concept of it and it was something very different. You know, obviously... Uh, 
everything we do at Hoonigan is so much fun and I love it, but it's it's only one kind of part of my passion of mm-hmm. cars and I do really like like weird and obscure cars and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've owned Volkswagen Quantums, which I think very few people know, and oh, things yeah. like that. Quantum Coupes too, which is like a super okay. weird rare that's, car. That's, yeah. It has the biggest, biggest back window that's really ugly, but I love it. Like, it's, like, it's like the Quantum Synchro I used to Yeah, Quantum Synchro see. is rad. That's so I'm, I'm from the northwest where like cars yeah. live forever. Yeah, yeah. So I would occasionally see you driving around town a Quantum Synchro and like that weird champagne beige color. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It came as a wagon. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, that's that's a great car. I mean, it's basically Volkswagen's version of the Audi Quattro. Sure. But although the system's a little different. But so then um you got a little getting up on the mic right now. Stretching. Yeah. <laughs> well we Doggy. should we find out what uh Doggy Yoga. Yeah. What's what's Kiwi's favorite Wu Tang album? She's gonna grab the mic and scream liquid swords. I, that's such a that's an amazing meme. meme. Tony Angelo woke me up with it the other yeah. night. Like he sent it to me at three in the morning and I looked at it and I was like, All right, that was worth waking up. I, I showed my wife at like ten thirty and she's like trying to go to sleep and she's not having it. Yeah. I'm like, This is the greatest <laughs> thing I've seen it, in weeks. It's hundred percent true too. Liquid swords is the best. That's album. right. Um <laughs> come down to the Peterson if you want to argue. Yeah. I'm not yeah, yeah. Go I'll i I can talk rap all day too. Um only nineties. I don't know anything about mumble well, rap. Well, yeah, it's did just, it ever it move just, from there? It no. just stopped. Yeah, yeah. If we're not talking like Nas and Mob Deep and Jay Z, I'm just oh, uh, Mob Deep. Yeah, Biggie. I mean Rest in power, my friend. Right upstairs, here. Yeah. Right here. So sad. Anyway, um what were we talking about? Oh the cars, the last twelve and the T V show. Oh yeah, the T V show. So um so yeah, they they approached me and uh, we put it together and I, and I liked it because it was like the original concept was cars that people didn't care about. And I have a lot of interest in that, like the amount of time I spend on Craigslist searching for cars that like people have forgotten about. You yeah. know, and I and did you, I, do you do the year by year search? Like, oh, 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 yeah. I, I start at 1975 and work back or okay. I start at 1924 and work forward. Oh, okay. I, I started and, at like 1948 because yeah. I, I can't deal with anything older than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Termites is a problem with cars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I. It, and I and I go till about until like it's waste too late. And so I you've realize. got too many tabs open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you I can't a, click them. You're, yeah, it's just yeah. like oh, I don't know how to go here. <laughs> like, like where is this? Yeah. And you're like, how many emails did I sent tonight? And then you wake up in the morning and it feels like a hangover. You're yeah. like, what did I do uh, did last I, night? Did I bid on this? Uh, do I really want that? Like a yeah. hump mobile? I don't even know if I want that. Where can I put yeah. it? Well, let's stack it yeah. up. Where yeah. am I going to put a Grand Brothers truck? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that was you know. It was like, well, this would be a great opportunity to go and build some fun things that are cars that were forgotten and so on. And, and I have this theory that like cars matter because not because of what they were today, but because what culture perceives of them, or what they were in their day, but what culture perceives of them today. You know, so sure. for example, we just talked about 911s six years ago, seven years ago. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. And you could get them for nothing. And now you have to like mortgage your house to go buy a 911 mm-hmm. and not even a good one. And um, you look at the Nissan 240. Oh, yeah. You know, I have a great story. I was building my friend's Mark II VR, and his sister had an S14. And I needed to go to 7-Eleven to go get a Slurpee, obviously, as you do while building cars. Yeah. And I was like, oh, can I borrow your sister's car? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And I drove that S14 to 7-Eleven, drove it back, and never once did I think it was a cool car. Right. It was like it was like mid nineties, and it just has a truck motor. In yeah, it. and it just wasn't like something that like I thought about. You know, it just wasn't like oh, this car means something. And then what you know 
Japanese culture and drifting did and, and obviously continued here in the American kind of grassroots mm-hmm. scene and, and how important that car is now. Like now that car is really cool. Like when I see some woman drive past me in a 13 or a 14, that's like bone stock. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm following this person to their house and right. seeing if it's for sale, you know? And I, and I think that that's something so interesting that car culture can take a car that at a certain, that it, when it was introduced, didn't matter and could become cool. Not saying obviously Porsches were cool always when they were introduced, but you could take something and bring it back or you can put a different light on it and you know, it could be seen in a different way. I mean, let's take talking about Rovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the Defender 110 was sold here, they almost had to give them away because yeah. nobody wanted them. You know, Jeff Swart, uh, who oh, I yeah. just co-directed climb Connell with and we can talk about that because that was an amazing amazing experience jeff is was someone that i idolized in this business i had photos that he shot on my wall as a kid and mm-hmm. being able to work side by side with him was hell of a driver was, too. was amazing he's amazing Incredible driver he's driver. amazing everything I, I want his life yeah, yeah. he has real cute like, dogs I, oh, he's, it's just so great he's got a great <laughs> family him. he's got great he's great, great, great cars mm-hmm. he goes canoeing Look. he does all these things i tell myself i'm gonna do when i'm older so right. i just, that's all we want in life what do you want to do today i'm gonna go i can go canoeing just the fact that you no, can say I can that. Go, I can go canoeing, and I'm going to go there in my vintage Porsche. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drag the, my canoe. Yeah, oh, yeah on, the got, on the roof. Yeah. He's got a great 356. He just rails around in the snow up in Colorado. No. It's amazing. No, he. It's like if you're like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, oh, that's I what you should be, have I said. Be Jeff Swart. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be a war correspondent. I want to be Jeff Swart. I want to be Jeff Swart. I didn't know then I wanted to be Jeff Swart, but now I now I do. So, um, no, but uh, back to the show. Like we. So I was like, well, what if we were able to take this show and introduce cars that maybe have like grown out of favor or, or just something people never looked at? And, you know, whether it was things like the AMC Pacer, like how do you make an AMC Pacer cool? Is it possible? Well, hey, let's try, mm-hmm. you know, um, how do you make? I believe they did that in the early 90s yeah. with uh, yeah. the Mirthmobile. Yeah. He had a red rope uh, liquor yeah. dispenser. I mean, and, and that type of stuff, like, you know, how, how do you how do you take things and and show it to people in a different way and, and you try to make it cool i mean look at the hoonicorn to be quite honest 1965 mustang notches were not really what people were into everyone no. liked the eleanor i mean that was you know that's what you wanted i like and, the 65 notch if i can buying it myself yeah but, it's a little bit but they were a lot easier to oh, find yes, but course. now over the past look at how many have been built in the yeah. past three years like mm-hmm. i go to sema and i just keep seeing people building 65 66s and that mm-hmm. really wasn't the one and and the hoonicorn i think made that car look different to people like yeah. wow you could do that and we purposefully went after that car first off it was the first year and went in with the tie-in but I, we just i liked the shape of it and mm-hmm. i thought the shape made sense for what we were trying to do and it was so different from mm-hmm. everything else that was there so with that same theory it's like how do you build mini unicorns how do you take cars and make them really important to the culture and and, and do something different and so for the first episode or the pilot uh, we, we built a, a Rolls Royce, uh, silver shadow and the thought always behind it was, I, you know, I, it's always one of those things where you're seeing something that's not supposed to slide or yeah. go sideways or something like that. It's just always so interesting. And, and that was sort of the concept. And, um, you know, it was a quick build. We, there was a lot of different ideas of things we wanted to do. We wanted to build, uh, a Winnebago and go race the Baja in it. We wanted to, you know, there I support was, that idea. Yeah, That's a and, great idea. Yeah. And just like cage, cage it out and put a whole family in it. We should do a Peterson. We should try and do that. James Peterson. and I have a lot of Winnebago experience. We spent a uh, SEMA in one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you, I, you guys were in the, uh, Ring Brothers Ring Brothers Brothers, which, so I bid on that. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and they won the bid. And, uh, I was, someone texted me cause I've always wanted to build a brave. 
because that's like my real interest in cars. Sure. Like I have things like the 911, which I hide behind to pretend like I'm cool, but I yeah. really like Winnebago's and Pacers and weird stuff like that. I want to make yeah. them all really well, fast. Well, you're in the right place. And yeah. gut all the crap out exactly. of them and put big motors in them and do like weird compound turbo, like, turbo diesels and <laughs> things like that. But that I wanted a, a Winnie for a while and I was like looking at Braves and I was trying to convince, you know, the company like we need an 18 foot Brave and, and here's why. Yeah. And someone sent me the link and it was at Barrett Jackson. oven and mini bar. That, that's that's so cheeky. Yeah. And then I was in. Oh, and, yeah. and, and 900 horsepower LS3. So when I saw that that thing had sold, I was like, cause it was up on, uh, it was selling on, uh, Barrett Jackson and yeah. someone sent me the link and then it kind of just got to the price where it was like way out of control. And I was like, I could just buy one here in Inland Empire that's like brand new and someone drove it for 10,000 miles and left it in their yard to die. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. And then when I heard the Ring Brothers bought it, like a part of me inside died because I knew that they were going to make it super cool and they did. And mm-hmm. I saw it on Power Tour two years ago and I did Power Tour and I was like, man, this thing's really, really cool. And I, I just think that like 60s motorhomes uh that 70s motorhomes just mm-hmm. are like so unique and it's such a an amazing time in automotive culture where like we took to the road and we enjoyed being on the road and that mm-hmm. was part of the family vacation and sure. taking that and putting you know 1500 horsepower in i think is what it deserves yeah. i'd like to see somebody do something real dumb with a gmc rv because it's front wheel drive, yeah. it's really low. I mean, it's already a sports motorhome. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, and it's aerodynamic. It's fiberglass. Yeah. It was built by and, the Corvette team, and NASA used it to shuttle astronauts to also, get onto the onto the. Let's not forget shuttle. stripes. Yeah, I was uh, going to yeah. say. I mean, yeah. you can't get the fuel economy is not really going to change when you put that fifteen hundred horsepower motor. In no, anyway. I agree. So it's like going to yeah. work from like twelve to ten. I yeah. mean, really, yeah. huh. nobody's done it yet either. Like nobody's, you know. So I've like, been looking at them, and another one that's really good is the. Um, the Cortez. Have you seen the Cortez? The one with the BMW. No, so the Cortez also runs the Tornado motor. Okay. So, and it was built by the Clark Company, which makes forklifts. All right. And they decided, you know, it's the '60s, and everyone's getting a motorhome. And hey, we have manufacturing capabilities. Let's, let's build. Let's build this. And what's cool is because similar to the GMC, you've got a really really low floor plan because you don't have to run a drive axle going mm-hmm. to the back. So there's a similar, but it's almost like a really, really big van. So okay. like think like, you know, old Mercedes box vans in, yes. in Germany, but like like American sized. So it's like longer and a little bit taller and a little bit wider. And they just look like it. Like, you know, when you're a kid, someone would buy you like the knockoff Hot Wheels or mm-hmm. the knockoff Matchbox. And it like uh-huh. wasn't really a car. It was like a, some sort of mold of a shape sure. with windows punched in it. That's yeah. what it looks like. Excellent. Yeah. I'm so. pretty intrigued. Well, the thing too about the, the GMC RV, and I don't know about the, the, the Clark one, or, but the Cortez rather, uh, it's already got air ride. Yeah, I know. So it's great. Perfect. Golden. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Just like, just, just lay frame. There's one, there's one on Craigslist right now for, uh, 3,700 bucks. I've so, got it tagged. All right. So <laughs> I, one thing I found out that's kind of neat. And I, and this is, I think this happens with a lot of like weird specialty vehicles, but there's a thing called the, uh, GMC RV black book. And it's Ooh. like a list of like basically 80 year old engineers who are like GMC RV enthusiasts and they work on a pay it forward mentality. And they like if you, your your stuff breaks and you're in like San Jose, there's a guy with a barn that like oh, that's amazing. Yeah, this makes me want it even more. So one of our one of our guests, this guy John Roderick, was on um way 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 back in like March, February and March. He he has one. He just like bought a GMC RV. He was like, I'm gonna this is a thing I'm gonna do. I don't know anything about them. I'm a musician. But then he's like had to employ the black book, and I'm just like he's telling me about it. I'm just mesmerized. Like, all I uh, want to do is awesome. hang out with like 80 year old engineers, like ex aerospace guys. Yeah. And you know, it's such a part. And that's something that 
we always strive to do when we are at zero to 60. And you'll see more of that coming with stuff with Hoonigan is like, there's this great part of our culture and automotive and motorsports that unfortunately is dying because that's mm-hmm. just how humans mm-hmm. work. And we need to like tell that story to a younger audience in a way that they, they want to hear it. Cause I think when I was younger, I didn't really care what older people had to say about car culture and right. I, I wanted to kind of live it my own way. But then this period of time came where I felt like I missed out because mm-hmm. I didn't pay more attention to that. Sure. You know, I, I wasn't a part of that. I remember as a kid being into water cooled Volkswagens, you'd go to an event and like, I wouldn't even like pay attention to the air cooled guys, you know? And like they would come over and talk to us and I would just be like, yeah, whatever. And now like, I think I missed out on, on a lot of that opportunity to like learn from that older generation. Cause as I get older and I, I don't think of myself as older, I still see myself as being like 21 years old. And, mm-hmm. But then we have, you know, like the fans of Hoonigan come by and I'm like, oh, no, no, you guys are 19. I'm definitely older than you and I sure. think differently. Sure. But I sit there and think like, well, think of how much stuff that, you know, I wish I could have learned from here or from there. And, and you know, and like we're just talking about now, I admitted the beginning of the show, I only liked one kind of car for two, three years of my life. Mm-hmm. And now like I just, I want to like more and more and more and learn more and more and more. And unfortunately, a lot of that, is dying because the generation that cared about that stuff isn't putting it on the internet. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's what's so great about things like the race of gentlemen is that mm-hmm. that's brought all of this back. I mean, you go on the ham and all that information is like there now. And a lot of that stuff and traditional hot rodding and all those things I think is really important because I've had friends who are like, I don't understand why are you doing this? You're building a car that's pre-war. Yeah. Like, why are you limiting what you can do? Like, you know, versus doing this. And it's like, well, cause it's just a, a different time and it's just trying to help me better understand that, that mm-hmm. part of the culture. So, and that, to tie back into the show because I didn't finish oh, yeah. answering that. No, um, I feel like this is going to be the most tangent episode ever. Are you guys going to edit that, this no, and then make it no. all be be linear? Or Spoiler is, alert: We don't edit. We yeah. don't edit. Yeah, yeah. No. there's no cuts here. This is Brian Scotto's brain right oh, here. It's yeah. just all over the place. We like it. This is why my entire company just looks at me like, oh no, Brian, is he can, talking again? You can come back anytime. <laughs> We'd love to. Have we'll just do a part two. You yeah. just stop and there just be go. like part two. That's how we do episodes of Daily Transmission. To be we'll just be like, ah, it's Randall. That's it. Let's just stop right here tomorrow. Go watch it again. It's Maybe fine. next week. Yeah. Um. But no, we uh. Um. What was oh, back to the show? Yeah. Um. So the Discovery show, it was really cool. It was interesting to watch it all go together. Um. I don't want to talk negatively about it because I like to be positive on things, but it is interesting to work with a a company like Discovery that's had so much success and all of that, mm-hmm. and but then also be like a really core automotive person and 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 try to work those two things together and understand yeah, like what works sense. what works for mainstream versus this. And it, it's been my struggle my whole life. I mean, when we make the Jim Connor videos, trust me, I have to sit there and think to myself, this is really cool for the core. But how big is the core? We yeah. do 100 million views on a video. Well, what percentage of that is watching it because of this? Or are they watching it because of that? Mm-hmm. And you have to find that like perfect mat- mix. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I have, you know, or I, I say I, we, is the entire company and, and Ken and everyone have, have really looked at and said, you know, every day, like, what, how does that matter? I mean, right now we're finishing cutting Climb Kana. And, you know, there's moments in there where I'm like, do I leave this for this audience or do I add this for that audience and, mm-hmm. and trying to kind of understand that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's different things that different audiences want. And I think when you're working with a big company like discovery, just go blade runner style. They do you have to like the final cut. Right. Exactly. For the yeah, yeah. Uh, trust me. I've thought about it before. I mean, we've there. Jim kind six was supposed to have that. We can go into that a whole other time, but I wanted to make a nerd <laughs> cut for Jim six. Cause there's always the like, you know, 
oh, well, why are there so many takes or, yeah, you sure. know, this or that? And it's like a lot of it's a production reason. It actually has nothing to do with Ken Block. It's everyone's like, oh, it's because Ken Block sucks. It's like, no, because we had to move the cameras. Like, yeah. don't you realize that? Like on the production don't you know side, how physics work. Yeah. And it's like, and when there's only six shooters here, like we can't cover the whole thing. Like we have to move people around and do different stuff. So, but we had wanted to do something and unfortunately it rained and we weren't able to do it. And it mm-hmm. bummed me out because I wanted to make that edit for the core, for the, mm-hmm. for the kids sure, who said this or say that. And you're like, yeah. you know what? Okay, fine. Here's, here's a drone shot. One take the whole thing. You can watch it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, back to that. I, I think it was, uh, it was really interesting working with them and there was a lot of really talented people there. And we, you know, in the end, I, I think we were all pretty happy with the episode that came out. It went through a d- bunch of different edits. I probably would have liked the edit that was a little bit more towards the core. But in the end, um, we put something together that our, myself, ACP, uh, the people at Original Productions all were really stoked on. And Discovery said to us, it's too smart for our audience. <laughs> all right. So that was it. I mean, it. if you're going to get shut down. Yeah, no. And, 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 and I didn't. And, you know, I've never worked in TV before on that level. So that might be just what they tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, know. yeah. Sorry. Baywatch, uh, the comeback. No, it's just a little too smart. I don't know. Yeah, you guys are just too good. We didn't yeah, work we're just, out you're there. just too good looking. Yeah. I don't know. You're ridiculously <laughs> handsome. Yeah. And that's we can't. The, the better I don't, I don't know what it. it is. But I think it's just that. I was the whole time I was very aware of that I didn't want to make something that was like reality car show TV and I and, and sure. I didn't want there to be drama and I wouldn't let there be drama like you know like oh it's down to the wire and you know how are you gonna how are you gonna make this you know car right. in two days and it's like there were moments that were like that I mean the last night before the the car was supposed to do debut like we worked through the night and that's just how you build cars. That's just how it happens. That, anyway. That's just how it that's happens. I, every assignment. Yeah, it's just school, I, college, everything yeah, exactly I, the same. And is it like a deadline journalist? It's like your best work is done, done two hours before. That's, that's right. Exactly right. So uh, you know, and and for that, it, it. But I didn't want that to be the energy of the show and mm-hmm. all that. And I think that we we tried to do that. And it's interesting because there are actually other networks that were really interested in the show. I think they wanted something that fell after street outlaws and it just was a little different audience than, than they had it. This show mm-hmm. still did well and they still liked it, but it just wasn't the right fit. So they didn't actually tell us that the show's canceled. They just haven't done anything with it. Okay. And Ooh. apparently that's how TV works. So who knows? Maybe like next week I'll get a phone call and they'll be like, you shouldn't have like, said that on the radio. Yeah. It was like, we just heard on yeah, the Peterson Castro podcast right. that, uh, the thing is canceled. Well, actually we're going yeah. to run with the next. We sign you up 17 seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, car savers may be coming next week. Who knows? I yeah. don't know, but I, I have, uh, it was, it was fun to make. It was a really great experience. Um, but. I my life and what I think is moving forward for me is in more of the digital world than yeah. linear. Sure. Um, and when I say that, I include Netflix and Amazon mm-hmm. and yeah, sure. those types in the world of what we do in digital because it's just like I look at my audience. The biggest problem was we did a, a little teaser of the show on Daily Transmission. We brought ACP over. We talked about it. He did some donuts in that midget that he has. And we talked about the show and all the comments were, how do I watch it? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's on Discovery Channel. Yeah. How do I watch it? And it's like that realization that the audience I'm speaking to is not mm-hmm. is not watching TV anymore. I, and you know what? I don't have cable. Yeah. Why, and I, why should I expect a 20 year old kid to have cable? You know. And it's like that. So I look at it. I'm like, well, that's a huge issue. And we, you know, we went to Discovery and said you should make this episode free access because you know, I, I think that that will really show 
who wants to watch it. And the Hoonigan did a teaser, and the teaser in the end did more views than the actual episode did. And that there's an argument to be made there sure. mm-hmm. that like there was an audience that wanted to watch the show, but the, but unfortunately the format wasn't there. So for what we build and what we're doing, you know, I think that that was daily transmission was all sort of happening at the same time and we were starting to kind of concept all of that and in a way i think that it was yeah i really enjoyed doing the show and i enjoyed the experience that was there but i think it was a blessing because it would have ate a lot into my time and yep, and now right. watching what what daily transmission has become which by the way i we didn't think it was going to be this this quickly like we knew it would be something but what it's become so quickly and how it's really changed the brand in many ways to an audience has been so worth it for us that it, it really just kind of, that all worked out really well. So Awesome. I had a question for you in regards to the video stuff you've done. I mean, you've done a lot of video work and you've gone to a lot of places. What are some of your favorite exotic locations that you've had the opportunity to go film at? Riverside, California. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. San Bernardino airport oh. is, mwah, it's really, what are you dodging it's the airplanes, really nice there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like, uh, and then does it really depend on like the location or how much access you have as well? I'm going to assume as well for the film. For the film, yeah. it's all it's location, location, location. Yeah. Um, the best film we've ever made is San Francisco, yeah. and it's because there's only one San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, I've looked for other San Franciscos, and they just don't exist in the way that San Francisco does. And there's like weird little things about it, like the way that the top of the crest of the road is mm-hmm. curved. In San Francisco allows you to jettison a car 160 feet, where a lot of roads they'll 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 cap that off because it's it's dangerous for regular motorists. Yeah, sure. So there's things like that, but because it's old concrete and the way it's cut, I mean, it just that worked out so well. Um, so in terms of the films, uh, San Francisco was just amazing. I, I it was the first time we were ever allowed to shut down a city. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that you had this dream of being able to do that. All the previous films were like private lots or things, you know, it was Universal mm-hmm. Studios or, you know, the Autodrome and things like that. And this was something that was completely like at the whole time I, I was waiting for the cops to come and be like, no, yeah. no, no. Who, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Who told you you could do this? You got to leave. You know, this was like a dream to be able to do this. So that was obviously just from a film side location. Uh, I think one of the best shoots I was ever on in terms of just the the location was recoil two in Mexico. Okay. Um and it was because it was like lawless. I mean the Federali were there and the police were there, but like we couldn't hold back people. Sure. So the roads were just lined with people and it felt like we were doing a live event. Like where the Gymkhana films are a lot more controlled and you know, especially when we shoot them in the United States, it's like you got people backing everybody sure. out. There's nobody there. We don't put in insurance and things like no that. There's no people on the yeah. scenes where now we've got this like trophy truck and it's bouncing down the road and there's like kids playing soccer next to us i mean it was so just insanely wild and like i mean to finish a shot and then have a crowd of a thousand people cheer is sort of a weird moment like you're not you know it 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 brought the energy up because i mean i'm uh i've i hate every film i've ever made because (laughs) I, I'm a perfectionist. You're, I'm an overachiever. You always, yeah. Yeah, you always see every, something about every issue of zero to sixty I made. I hate. I'll go back and read them now, and I'll be like, oh, I guess this wasn't that bad. I was being hard on myself, <laughs> but <laughs> but I hate everything because I want it to be better, and I know everything that should have been better. I know that moment it rained and this didn't happen, or we weren't able to get this, or we ran out of time, or this shot didn't. You know, the the card ejected on the camera. Sorry to that shooter who knows who I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but, the, you know, things like that happen and you're, and you know it all. Um, 
and when you're filming, like I, I get very stressed, and it's not always a fun situation. I think people look at it and they're like, "Oh, you have the best yeah, job in the so world." Easy. And and I will tell you right now, I I do not want to say I don't because I I know from the outside looking in that like this is great. I I have 13 cars that I've amassed because of my job. Like, and you get not because I'm rich, but like Kyle and myself, I, I get to come hang out with you guys. Like yeah. this is what my Tuesday morning is. Granted, yeah. all. We usually I'll charge have, a lot more. I'll I have mean, to work till 4 a.m. tonight because yeah, I'm customer. skipping what I'm actually yeah. doing. What, like Clive Connor, which is and, this weekend? Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not done yet. So, <laughs> And we've been working on it for a year. Um, but no, it's, uh, you know, but being in an environment where you're filming and now people were cheering, like it changed it. Like it, it gets you out of your head of yeah. being like, oh, no, was that good enough or you know, I, you always second guess yourself. If you're not second guessing yourself, you're not doing a good job. A- anyone who puts something out and pats themselves on the back, they, they didn't do a good job because you should sit there and say to yourself, like, that could have been better, you know. And I just think that that way about everything creatively. I'm sure you guys do podcasts, That's and afterwards, exactly the same with Kyle. You're like he cries constantly yeah, no, I, to me I, afterwards. I, I, actually, yeah, the absorbed. last episode, I think you guys left that in. I heard him crying at the end. Just it was a little, a little awkward, but at the yeah. same time, it, right it touched me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so. That's what we go for, for the real emotion here. Yeah. yeah. Truth, I actually listened truth. to the Larry Chen interview on the way here. Larry is the man. Yeah. Larry is, Larry's amazing. Larry's yeah. really good. We, we love working so with him. So sad I missed that one. He's the first, he's one of the first magically real humans I've ever interviewed where he has the, uh, the, the power of omnipresence. And he does my, have omnipresence. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I didn't understand how it worked, but then but he, he explained, explained it. And, and it makes it's, sense. It's, it's lensing. It's and totally also, lensing. Also, my father, a big fan of Larry Chen. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Nigel. I met him at the Global Rally Cross, and Larry gave him some stickers. I chatted about some photography tips. It was great. Yeah. Shut up. No, Larry, Larry is, uh, Larry's phenomenal. Um, it's interesting because I listened to Larry and I, you know, I, I've been friends with Larry for years and mm-hmm. Larry comes by. We, we, we talk about life. I go, I go to his house and have dinner with his family. Like we're, we're good friends. And does he have and, dinner with his family ever? Because he seems to never no, be home. I, th- I think the only times he does, <laughs> he has to have all of us there. So yes. it feels normal. Like, yeah, Oh, right. I need to bring my road friends here. So, <laughs> um, but you know, and he's a great person, but I, I don't think I've ever gotten to listen to him talk about how he feels about his own work mm-hmm. and to hear him say that he doesn't think he's, got an eye for this or you know and, and i think he thinks he's won because of the ten thousand hour rule you know malcolm, yeah. shout, shout out to malcolm gladwell like he you know he thinks he's doing what he does because he just shoots so much and i will tell you i have you know i've worked with a lot of great photographers i worked with you know larry i met larry and Lindbergh together on gym four mm-hmm. um we had seen their work on everything they were doing with speed hunters and other stuff and i reached out to them and said I, i'd love for you guys to come and join us um one of my best friends uh, in this world is, is Tony Harmer, who's our who shot everything for through for zero to sixty and was the photo director there, and also has done every you know every glitzy, glammy shot you've seen of a Ken Block car with the lights in the background. Like Ken, like Tony starred that look, the yep. lights in the background mm-hmm. that was his thing. And I've worked with a lot of sh- you know shooters, and the one thing about Larry versus all the other ones is that like he sees shots that you don't see. Right. And it's funny because when he sat there on the show and said, oh, well, I see, like, these guys just saw things differently. And I'm like, no, 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 they see things normally. Yeah. You're the one yeah. who sees things differently. It's the reason I hire you because I guarantee that if I hire you and another shooter, you're both going to come back with a different collection. Yeah. Because I've hired shooters where you hire three and you're like, well, that's great. You all shot the same shot. I'll just pick the best one. And Larry just comes back with these moments that you're like, oh, I didn't see that moment. And a lot of them are human moments, which I think that in the automotive world – 
we so quickly forget. We so become yeah, so much about the sheet sure. metal that we forget about the people behind this and the stories of the people and those moments. And it's like, if you've ever been to Le Mans for 24 hours and you've watched a mechanic cry when the car breaks, you understand that. And I've been on the side of wa- of watching my car break during a race and be like, we put so much into this. So mm-hmm. there's so much here. And now we all go home, you know, unfulfilled and, and keep being able to capture that in the lens is amazing. So I, Larry, you're amazing. What a gentleman. True gentleman. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are quickly approaching our longest episode ever, Brian. Congratulations. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian, do you want to beat the, do you want to beat the longest episode ever? Yeah, do let's go. Let's go. Let's do go. It. I'm ready. Do I, it. I, 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 what are we like five minutes into this? Yeah. I keep it's, going. Just, just, yeah, just basically. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So I, I guess the other thing that I wanted to ask specifically about you is like, as you said, you know, you're, you're here now. We're going to be working till four in the morning. Like, what? keeps you working that i mean th- th- that's crazy like that's not a thing that a normal person does 13 cars are no <laughs> yeah i and, mean and, none of, and the thing is, is there's this big joke if you watch daily transmission I that you never you work you do. yeah that i never work right that's the joke no that none of my cars run yes. and the reason none of my cars run is because you're too busy working I'm too busy working and i don't get right. the time to work on them and if i do i i put them in a really horrible situation like we're gonna go do power tour as a company and i have to build this nova in 65 days and then i just don't sleep like mm-hmm. I'll work, I'll, I'll work all day. And then at nine o'clock at night, I go and get dirty till five in the morning. And then I sleep on the couch and I wake up and yeah. I go back to work. Well, you're a pretty successful guy. You probably are getting the, those Peter Thiel, the blood transfusions from, yeah. from, from young, and young those, fellas. Yeah. The, the vitamin B shots in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you get, live forever. Is it? I was reading something the other day that, uh, Keith, someone, the Keith Richards is gets those. And that's what's kept him alive could, for could so you, long. Could you imagine being the young person <laughs> the asked to receive <laughs> Keith Richards blood? Do you know what you're getting? It's just that's ter- that's a sobering thought. You just, it actually is the opposite of sobering. You just yeah. you, you just look like uh, like the end of um, a prune. Uh, uh, was it uh, not Raiders? Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. The, the Nazi exactly. guy just melts. It's, that's you being being Peter so, uh, 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 or being uh, Keith Richards' blood boy. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah. So how do I? So I I get it from my mom. Okay. My mom was like this. My mom. Both my parents are research scientists. Okay. So, and my mom just, both my parents, you know, were committed to work. And when I was, my dad always reminds me of this story when I was eight years old. I, you know, it was tough because my mom wasn't always home because she was working and my dad was working and both my parents worked. And a lot of my friends had moms that were home when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, my grandmother raised me a lot because she lived next door and, um, yeah, I lived in Queens. So it was literally next door is like, we, we shared a wall and you could knock on the wall, but (laughs) We, you know, I watched them grow, you know, working and they loved their life and they loved what they did. And my, I said to my dad, when I grow up, I'm going to get a job I don't care about because I don't want to work like you guys do. (laughs) And my dad said, okay, we'll see. And he reminds me of that all the time now because it's like, I mean, I just got married and I skipped my honeymoon and I came home to work on Climb Kana and working on future projects and things like that and i was well, like well, let's hope let's hope Con is pretty good then uh, yeah no pressure and, you know and and um I, don't know, I just i find a lot of passion in it. i mean i think there's this old saying that uh they say you know if you if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life and uh that's actually wrong if you do what you love you'll work every single day yeah. of your life and you work and, to keep improving yeah and i just last night i went to bed and i woke back up because i had this idea thing that i something i wanted to do 
with the Gymkhana Grid series, and I haven't even thought about Gymkhana Grid in like two years, and it just came into my head, and I was like, "Ooh, we should do this." And, so it wasn't. And the then Navy I woke from up. Tony Angelo then that woke you it was actually the that gym. was that was another night. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Tony's obviously on the same schedule as me. But um, have you guys had Tony on the show? Yeah. Yes. Tony but, was actually one of when, when we took over the podcast. Tony was actually one of my very first guests. I was so pumped. And also nicest human in the world. And Kyle's mom, big fan of Tony Angelo. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, my mom likes Tony Angelo too. She, he's just Tony's a great guy. pretty mom friendly. He is mom friendly, oddly, because he kind of has this like a little bit of a gruff Philly image, yeah. pit bull uh, thing about him. But he's, but, but he's, he's just a, he's just a lovable character. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I love Tony Angelo. He's I, I love everything that he's also done since drifting. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that he's really found his niche, and I, I love just kind of seeing that. I think that he was he he was a very polarizing person in the drifting world, and I think like watching him move into kind of do, doing that stuff now with hot rodding and muscle cars it's, it's just great we actually unknown thing we film we recorded two podcasts with tony angelo as the host mm-hmm. that we just never put out because making a podcast is a lot more work than people think unless you're us in which yeah. case it is exactly as much late. work as you think and like you I did. well if you don't cut it if you just like just put it out i mean you could just yeah. this could just be live right now this podcast right? verite you know, it, it, uh, yeah, very right. nice. So it's very with, nice. That's right. We, if it did go out live, it'd all be filmed in black and white with a little bit of a grain wash over the top. It'd be great. Right. Yeah, it'd be a lot like it's very similar to the intro of um, Saving Private Ryan. Very, very similar. Yeah. You know, that's what people would get. So, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'm going to admit something here, and I think that this is like something I don't share often, but we're um, getting real. We're getting real. Yeah, we've been talking for a little bit. You've loosened yeah, me up a little bit. Kiwi's, yeah. Kiwi's broken you down. Yeah, it's just how it works. Um, so I, you know, I was really good in school up until college, and then I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I ended up failing out of college twice. And when I got into the world of, of journalism, I felt like I snuck in. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I didn't belong. And I felt like any day they were going to find me out, and they were going to realize that I, I, I still don't have a college degree. I'm six credits short. Because I got an internship at Mass Appeal, and I just loved that. And I didn't love what I was doing at school, but I sure. loved that. And it was the first time that I really loved what I was doing. But there was this part of me that felt like, if you don't work harder than everyone else, they're going to call you out, and they're going to prove that you don't belong here. Spo- and that part, alert. we think that about the person every day. <laughs> We're still surprised they let us in the door. Yeah. And I think that was it. That was just the energy of, like, I got to work harder because I don't have the you know the laurels to be here and i'm not supposed to be here and, and i still feel that way and i you know i have friends all the time who are like yeah you've done this you've done that i'm like i still feel like i have to just work harder yeah. everything has to be better because you're only as good as your last trick right. and if the next thing you do sucks well who cares if you were good in 2005 you know mm-hmm. so i think that's a lot of what kind of drives me is this f- just constant disappointment in myself Excellent. <laughs> and that's a valuable lesson for our young yes, listeners. Certainly. Just, just and our old listeners as well. Perpetual anxiety, crippling self doubt. <laughs> that is the road to success. You can, you, if if you never stop working, you don't have time to yeah. be anxious. Yeah. I think you know. I think there's there's room. I mean, Tony Robbins, sure, he's great, but I think there's room for, for some new blood in the in the self help industry. And I, I think you're it. Self-deprecation speeches. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, you are. You are also a human giant. So, Uh, which makes it really hard to own cars. I just want to point that out. No, I'm. I I feel that pain. You're taller than me, and I'm already pretty big. I'm six foot eight. Yeah. So, which is means every one of my seats has been moved. So. In order for my wife to drive my 911, she has to put a backpack on so she can reach the pedals. Yeah. <laughs> that's, also that's makes good. you like the perfect height to drive the Tom Selleck Ferrari we've got upstairs. 
Oh, that's true. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it doesn't actually work. No, no it's terrible. It does, terrible well, it, it does work. I mean, he really thrashed that thing. Oh. No, I thought it was Higgins that did the thrashing. Could be. I mean, who who can say? One of like the saddest things in my life is trying to fit in cars that I thought like would one day own. Yeah. yeah so I feel that pain. I'll I was, never fit in a Lotus. <laughs> I wanted I, uh, at least you know, so bad. I drove an Exige for a week and I just took my shoes off. Okay. And it works. It's not ideal. Right. And had, God forbid anything goes wrong. There's no panic moves whatsoever. No. Like I had the, I had an indie Miata for a week and I was like, I almost fit in this. This is like close enough that I can make it work, but I had a bruise on my left leg for like three oh, weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were sunburned. Oh, I was so, well, I mean, I am like just white as one. So Celtically challenged mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah, I burned so badly. Just ugh. Yeah, but yeah, I know that that is that is. It's it's, it's a bummer when you get in a car and you're like, oh, I guess I'll never drive an S two thousand, right? Because well, right. I mean, I can with the roof up, but... unlimited storage. Yeah, yeah, of course. And go. then uh, I I was at Gas Monkey during Power Tour, and uh, Aaron Kaufman was there, and he's I was like, oh, uh, you know, he was showing us some cars, and I was like, oh, you guys have that that Countach. He's like, I was like, you think I'll fit? And he was like, don't do it, don't do it. And I like, I couldn't even get in it for a photo. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I couldn't even like. Somewhat fit just for the photo. At least you saved yourself from the awkward photo phase of getting out of it once you've got yourself in. No, there's an entire like episode of of daily transmission of yeah. me trying to get out of a cross cart, and the whole the whole joke is just he can't get out. Like yeah. I, it took yeah. me three times to get out, and I had to approach it from three different angles. It took, we we did James and I did uh, global rally cross ride along, and it took me twenty five minutes to get into the car. Oh yeah, and they yeah. sat me on the grid for forty-five minutes, so I didn't think that was as bad. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it was one hundred and fifteen in there, but you know, it gets rough. Yeah. yeah, but the second you started moving, as soon as you jump, as soon as the anti leg kicked in, yeah, it was great. Yeah, Loved no it. problem. It made it all go away, and I was twelve pounds lighter by the end of it. It was great. I don't know who got the suit after me, but well, it was fantastic. <laughs> ring, just ring it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have officially recorded our longest episode, Brian, oh. by three minutes now. Three minutes, and Nailed we're going to do a point a part two. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you guys, we we barely touched on some subjects. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to come to your house, though. You guys are more than welcome. We actually have a little room that's called the podcast room because we we put a bunch of like sound editing on the wall, and then we just never did anything with it. So now it's just like where you go to be on a conference call. Nice. But yeah, but we had had like we'd it. had this all set up. So, well, guys, I, I don't. I'm assuming you're trying to end this now. You shut up, just, Brian. I think it's not us. Is it over? Kiwi's the one one now. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of excitement over there. Well, we have a beautiful tradition here at at the Car Stories Podcast, where we ask you where people can find you on the internet. But I don't think anyone do knows where to find Hoonigan. Oh, uh, go you. find Hoonigan instead of me. There, it's way more exciting. Uh, at the Hoonigans is our pretty much everywhere. I mean, that's our Instagram. We don't really use Twitter. Um, Who does? Facebook, Who does these days? Facebook is just Hoonigan and uh, YouTube dot com slash the hoonigans which is probably where some of our best content is right now mm-hmm. and if you do care about following me i don't post that much but when i do i try to make it matter uh it's uh at brian scotto instagram is really all i use yeah well sure. yeah. same same yeah uh yeah and um i mean by the time this comes out climb Kana should be out B- at least be 200 million downloads at least the yeah so make sure you watch <sighs> that you can only hope yeah because this hope. man this he bailed on his own honeymoon to just finish to it. finish it all off, and we're making him work through all through the night just so he'd come in and right. do this podcast. It's just I, I postponed on you guys so many times. I was like, ah, I we're a guilt motivated podcast. We really That's how get most of it. Yeah, our, yeah, no, we I, try. I, I, we pay I mean, you're lucky so. that Carl didn't just turn up every day at the donor. The truth is, I figure you'd have if I didn't come, you'd just invite Hurt first, and then I would never get invited back. Hurt yeah. would just become a regular on the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone likes Hurt we, more. We, the so. problem is, we're worried if we bring Hurt on that. No one will want us back. It's probably true. It's probably true. true. Yeah, so yeah. that's the, the that is worry. He has that charm. It's true. 
So, James, where can people find you and your excellent work? People could find me and Kiwi even Ooh. at uh, NoBreaking.com and also NoBreaking on Instagrams and the Facebook. And Kyle, where can they find you and your cats? Just, well, that's the important, that's what people want. Exactly. They, they want little one-eyed Murray. They want more cats and more beer. So where can they find you? Oh, that's easy. It's, it's Kyle J. Hyatt on Instagram. It's Hyatt like the hotel. And but sadly not related. No, no, no. That's that guy's first name, I think, actually. Yeah. yeah. But more importantly, where can they find the Peterson? Oh, boy. Well, let's assume, first of all, that you found it already. But if you haven't, because you're weird, it's uh, peterson.org. And that's Peterson with three E's. Uh, and uh, on, on Instagram, it's Peterson Museum. On Twitter, it's Peterson underscore museum. And on uh, Facebook, it's Peterson Museum. Yeah. And who, who does all that excellent uh, Facebooking? That would be me. Yeah, it is. It is. So if show James complaints, all those complaints, they come to me. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Show James a little love. He works hard. I'm no rub rosa, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, that's a good inside joke right there. there. there go. All right. Easter well, egg. Yeah. For, for all the true fans. Well, thank you uh, guys for coming and checking out another podcast. Uh, this is a long one, but uh, a good one. We I enjoyed fun. it. So much fun. Kiwi is, I mean, she's not enjoying it. She's half asleep. But uh, Should we you. just start recording part two right now? Yeah. Let's yeah. just, right, let's just, just get right, right into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, thanks again so much for taking time out of your obviously very busy schedule to uh, come and chat with James and I. We had a blast. Yeah. Thank and you uh, guys have actually really enjoyed this. We should do this more often. Certainly. We're up for it anytime. And you should bring your Mercedes to Hoonigan and do some brownouts in it. Yeah. We'll, it, I mean, it, <laughs> we'll add a ton of like <laughs> Yeah. Cash, just just, yeah. just a bleach, I mean, maybe it, some dish soap. Does, and just, he loves to make it chirp. I'll put yeah, it that way. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Barely. Oh, chirp? Oh, that's nice. I mean, it effectively Is it has, diesel? No. It uh, effectively has trailer tires on it, though. So. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's a car you'd fit in. No no problem. Yeah, no, no. Germans, they're good at that. For sure. So. All right, guys. We'll check us out next Tuesday for when our podcast. guest will be a completely different person. Someone or it'll else. just be Brian Scotto again for another three hours. Which we love. <laughs> yeah, same. Right on. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.